Welcome to the Waiting Warriors podcast. As loved ones of first responders and military personnel, we often face life situations and challenges that many others don't experience. And while each of us and our experiences are unique, together we can learn from one another and become stronger in this journey of life. Now let's step out of mediocrity. It's time to thrive. Hi, Waiting Warriors. Welcome to another week. I'm going to give you a little warning. This one you might want some tissues for. Just just fair warning. We had another episode that was a really big tearjerker. We've had a few, and I don't feel like I gave proper warning. So I feel like I'll just give that a little bit of warning. We have Julia Bullock here. She is a retired law enforcement officer now working in um, for a faith-based addiction ministry. Her husband has... Um, been with his police department for 12 years and has been in the National Guard for 18 years. They've done four deployments. They also have a beautiful blended family. They've got six kids coming from all sorts of places, foster care, adoption, previous marriages, all those wonderful places, and they have a beautiful family. So welcome to the show, Julia. Hey, how are you? Good. Um, so Julia, will you tell us just a little bit about your story, particularly how you got involved with the addiction side of ministry and life? Yes. Um, about three years ago, my sister, she lives in Minnesota. Um, she had fell into addiction using meth. Um, she came up missing one weekend, I found out, and my mom called me crying, upset, and she says, we don't know where your sister's at. We don't know if she's dead. We don't know if she's alive. We're not sure where she's at. We don't know if she's warm. We don't know if she's cold. Just going through that whole mom, the whole mom thing of where's my child. I'm sure everybody's seen the meme where it's like, mom, when I'm not at home on time, it's like a car flips upside down. Um, that was basically my mom. She was just going through everything, every emotion that you could go through, just wondering where my sister was. Um, come to find out she's, my sister was hiding from um, someone in the cartel in a different state, and um, it was either the cartel come and get her and kill her, or it was the feds come and arrest her and take her to prison. And so um, just prayed, prayed, and prayed. My sister did not get out of her addiction immediately. Um, she went to prison, got out for a little bit, went back on the same path, and um, I remember <laughs> laying on my floor and. Um, when you're completely submissive to God, I, I believe that I just get on my face and I just pray. Um, mm-hmm. That's just total submission is just being on your face on the floor, crying and praying. And I remember just like yesterday laying in the floor, just God, take my sister. This is her hell. This is her hell is living right here, right now in her addiction. Um, sorry. <laughs> um, anyway, so I was literally asking God to kill my sister and take her from this earth and take her from us because this was literally her hell. Like she could not survive. She couldn't survive without that drugs. She couldn't, the kids were seeing her go through this in and out of jail. Like they weren't absent to it. Um, and her just hiding from people or having to watch her back every time she goes somewhere not knowing if she was dead, not knowing if she was alive. And so I just, I prayed. I was like, God, just take her, just take her from us if that's your will. And <laughs> thankfully, I, ne- I always say that Garth Brooks song, 
um, thank God for unanswered prayers is not true. He just answers them in his way. They're always mm -hmm. answered. Maybe not in our way, but he always answers them. Um, here it is, almost three years, and my sister is sober. She's the youth director at her church, has wow. all of her kids, custody of all of her kids. And I'm just like, God, thank you so much for not <laughs> listening to me. <laughs> so thank you for doing what you were going to do anyway. So um, oh, it's just so awesome because she, I mean, there's been times that she's called me having trouble with her kids. And she's like, this is from my addiction days. I know that these kids got this behavior from me. And I know that, and I understand it. And I just need to know how to work through it. So I talk to her and say, Hey, you know, just maybe do some affirmations, maybe do this, do that, you know, just kind of help her out with, with that side of it. Because I've, <laughs> the only thing I'm really addicted to is I'm from the South. I'm addicted to sweet tea. That's as hard as I go. <laughs> so I don't know what it's like to be an addiction. And whenever I first go and talk to people, the first thing I tell them is I don't know what it's like to be an addiction. But I can tell you what your mom's going through. I can tell you what your sister's going through. I can tell you what whoever in your family, I can tell them what they're going through. And I, I know yeah. the hell, their personal hell that they live in, as well as the personal hell that you're going through. I can understand it. I can relate to it. And um, then the guys that I work with come into rehab or the girls that come into rehab and they're like, well, you just don't understand. I'm away from my family. And I'm like, I have had a husband <laughs> in Africa. Let me tell you about how I don't understand because you're so yeah. far away from your family. Your family is still in the same state as you are. This you typically the same city that you're in. If not, they're at least a county over. They're not far from you. So don't tell me I don't understand that part because I've been away from my spouse. Um, and I totally get the separation thing. So I, I walk them through that. Um, so my sister got sober. And then my best friend brother, um, he came back from Afghanistan. And um, he suffered from just the uh, the demons of Afghanistan. I don't have to go into detail because I'm sure people know. Um, but he dealt with that daily. And um, he would start drinking to kind of self-medicate. and there would be times that he would just show up from Louisiana and Cersei. And I was like, Hey, <laughs> could you have called? Like, how did you just land in Cersei, Arkansas? If you don't know from Louisiana where he's at to Cersei is at least six, seven hours. I was like, you could have called <laughs> to let me know you're yeah. coming. And he would just go driving because he was fighting with the demons in his head and he would end up here and he'd be like, Hey, sis, I'm in Cersei. <laughs> so, um, he did that a lot, and um, towards the end, he kind of started pulling away. Um, I didn't hear from him as often, so I knew something was up, just wasn't sure what. Um, last year, the year before, I can't remember, he called me at work, and I remember, like, crazy. It, it was just so wild. He called me, and I was like, hey, bro, hey, bub, what's up? And he said, I shot myself. And I said, okay, in the foot? Like, where did you shoot yourself at? He's like, no, I shot myself in the head. And I was like, and you're on the phone with me. I was like, you're so full of it. You did not shoot yourself. And he's like, no, I did. I shot myself. And I said, did you miss? Because <laughs> you're like, how did this work? Like, <laughs> I don't yeah. understand. And he's like, no, sis, for real, I shot myself. And um, he sent me a picture, and he had put the gun to the temple of his head. And he shot mm -hmm. himself. And you can see the burn. You can see where it went in. And you could see like just a tiny like strip of blood going down his head when he sent me the picture and he was in the hospital. Um, he had to have surgery and 
it didn't mess him up at all. He was very vain, very vain. He always had to look good and he always had to dress really nice and have the best cologne. So I was mm-hmm. like, whatever, you're not going to do that because you're too vain. You wouldn't shoot yourself. So um, he was fine. Um, he would drink occasionally if you're familiar with Louisiana. That's what they're, <laughs> that's what they're known for. Um, so on September 27th, I got a phone call. And he had shot himself. And I said, well, what is he saying this time? Because I just knew that he, that he yeah. you know, last time he shot himself, he didn't make He made it. So um, I said, what is he saying? There's like, no, Julia, he shot himself. He's, he's not with us anymore. He's dead. And I said, are you, are you kidding me? Like, are we serious? Are you, are you, that what's going over. on? Like, okay, ha ha. Yeah, that, exactly. I was like, okay, ha ha. You guys are funny. Um, and they said, no, we need you to get down here. He, he really shot us off. He passed away. Um, and he come to find out he had said, started self-medicating. The alcohol wasn't enough, but he started mm-hmm. self-medicating with meth, um, and some other things. And he shot himself in the hallway of his house with his children and his, his wife there. And, um, so I went down there and, um, the hardest thing that I think about that whole situation was standing at the graveyard and holding his six-year-old's hand. And um, he just looked up at me and said, why do we have to leave daddy here? And um, we turned around and I said, baby, because daddy's going to stay right here and he's going to watch over us. And every night when you go to sleep, he's going to make sure that you're safe. And so we have to leave him here for right now, but we'll come back and visit him later. And um, he, as a kid, so resilient. I just wish that I had a heart of a child sometimes, just the pure love. and he was satisfied with my answer and we continued on about our day. So, um, it's hard. It stinks. Um, I wish my brother would have, I I wish I would have seen the signs, but it's like, I tell people whenever they go through stuff like this, um, even wives, I tell them all the time or family members, they, they're like, we never saw this. And I'm like, do you ever see anything on the end of your nose? You don't, your neighbor sees it on the end of your nose and says, Hey, you, you have something on the end of your nose. You need to wipe it off. Um, we never see it, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, and, and I tell wives that too. And I tell family members all the time. It's just, it's not the fact that you're dumb. It's the fact that it was at the end of your nose and you just couldn't see it. I couldn't, I would have never, never guessed that I'd be sitting here holding a pillow of my brother's shirt and a pair of his PJ pants that we had made into a pillow. Never. It was too yeah. close. So. Is there some like, sorry, let me. Stop crying. Um, <laughs> but like now you're working so much with those, like these kind of families with, um, particularly with addicted people who have addicted addictions and family members with that are dealing with that. Like, is there something though that we can do to be able to see what's going on? Like, is there some sort of mirror to see what's going on our tip of our nose? Are there signs that um, that we just aren't used to looking for, you know, like everything is so different. Um, anybody can hide it. It's easy to hide it. Um, some people, some people are just messy and they don't hide it very well, but I mean, for the most part, if they, if they're, if they're good in their addiction, they hide it from you because they're ashamed. Um, the biggest thing is withdrawal. Like they will withdraw from their family. They'll withdraw from their friends. They kind of step back. Um, I had a lady call me today who um, were really good friends. And I remember before her and her husband were married, um, 
he was bad in addiction and methamphetamines. And um, they've been married for two or three years now. And he has, he's been clean. He's been on the pipeline. She called me a day and she said, he's, he's using alcohol again. Um, and I said, but he's come so far and you need to remind him that he's come so far. Don't focus on the, well, you're doing alcohol. Don't push him. Don't push him further down. He's mm-hmm. already down. He's already, he's come to you and he says, I need help. Cause he came to her and said, I need help. And I got him into the right place and position to get him help today and he's going to get the help that he needs but I was reminding her just keep telling him how proud you are because he has come so far from the drug dealer who is getting a pro violation every week and we were having to go out to his house all the time and fighting because he was so high to just drinking alcohol which is still a huge deal and he's becoming he's becoming violent to the point that she had to make him leave last night and I said but remind him he's doing an excellent job because that those comments tonight may what get maybe what gets him through to tomorrow to go to rehab because he, he drank this morning so he's not able to go today he has to wait until tomorrow to go so he um i, I told her just those positive words will help him through the night mm-hmm. and the biggest biggest thing i tell people all the time is don't enable them do not continue um i went to a leadership meeting last week and we were all told to sit in different seats um, with different people. We didn't know the people at the table. We needed to just mix up. And um, I was at a table with a an, an addict, a previous addict, and a, a mom of an addict. And the addict, were going, everybody was going around sharing stuff. And the, the ex-addict, she said, the biggest thing and the best thing for me was my mom showing me tough love. She mm-hmm. said, I tough love when my mom drew the line and told me I couldn't come home it made me homeless and my mom said she couldn't give me more money than I was hungry and it wasn't until then that I realized that I had nowhere to go that burnt all my bridges and mom's not there anymore and that was the best thing my mom could do well the lady across the table just starts crying and we're just staring at her like oh my gosh you know (laughs) what is wrong and she said I had been sitting here feeling guilty all day because just last night I showed my daughter tough love and I've been feeling guilty about it. And I needed to hear just those words that, that I, I just, just happened to be at the place, perfect time to hear tough love. Like sometimes you have to separate yourself from it. Yeah. For their benefit. Yeah. It's a heavy story. It's a hard story to hear. And it's hard to kind of accept that that is so prevalent in our communities with military and first responders. Um, but I mean, there's a they're... huge, a huge rate. Um, we were actually looking at it because my husband, so it's wild enough. My husband's dad was in prison when he was born. His mom's been to prison. Um, his brother is in on federal probation for drugs. And so we, we understand if anything, my dad, me, I was, cookie cutter kid my dad was a police officer mom had an ambulance service and was a corner <laughs> my stepdad was a preacher so I was the one of those kids you know <laughs> so <laughs> I, I I got exposed to it but in a different kind of light um mm-hmm. but the biggest thing is if you look at the statistics it's like an 80 something percent higher rate that a first responder military person is is um to use drugs or alcohol that's a lot. It's huge. Yeah. It's like 70 or 80% higher chance of using. Super, so, super crazy. 
So how do we help bring that st- statistic? Wow, that's a hard word. How do we help? <laughs> how do we help bring that down and help keep them from getting to the point where they need it? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, um, my it's a little bit different for me and my husband because I was prior law enforcement, so I get what he goes through. Um, mm-hmm. within his twelve-hour shift, I get it. I was twelve-hour shifts myself, so constantly looking over your shoulder, constantly. Okay, is somebody going to kill me? Is somebody going to shoot me? We go to Walmart. We're looking around. You know, who's in here? We kind of evaluate everything. So we're constantly got our head on a swivel. Um, mm-hmm. I know that when we need a break, he's like, hey, I'm going to go to the range. Okay. Or hey, can I come with you? <laughs> I want to go shoot too. So when he when they come home and they go to the room and they want to play a video game or they go to a room and they just want to sh- – or they go to the – come up to you and say, Hey, I just want to go to the range and shoot for a little bit. Okay, go, you know, just understand that they have to unwind. We have a lot of, a lot of new spouses, a lot of spouses who are new into law enforcement and, um, in the military and they don't get the unwind part. Um, you're home, um, or you're doing your whatever job, um, office job. I don't want to, I don't want to say that they're less of jobs, but you're not constantly looking over your shoulder going, okay, is the guy yeah. in the cubicle next to me going to shoot me? Like, <laughs> it's just not something that you're yeah. sitting there thinking about 12 hours. So, um, when, like for police officers, it's the looking over your shoulders for firefighters. They see an extremely large amount of trauma that just the average absolutely. person does not experience. And it's mm-hmm. the same. I feel like with our military, there's just a different stress. And then with deployments, they, they do kind of like how you described with your brother is they come back with those demons and mm-hmm. yeah, like that's not that our jobs are lesser, but it's, it's trauma and a kind of stress that is not in any other kind of job. So I I get it's, it's not meant to be offensive. It's, but it's, yeah, they no, deal with it. Mm-hmm. And, and I told my brother, like when he would start drinking, he would start talking to me about some of those things and then he would realize that he was telling me this and he'd say, no, 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 that's not your burden to carry. I'll shut up now. And he'd realize that he was telling me what he was doing in Afghanistan and the demons that he was carrying. And I was fine with that. Like I was fine with him letting it out. But as soon as he realized that he was letting it out, he would shut down and he was just like, I can't talk to you about this. This is mine to carry. This is not your burden to carry. Um, and sometimes and no, it's at, he, I agree. It's not my burden to carry, but I am his sister. I am. I, he, we're friends, <laughs> most of all, you know, and I'm here to listen and be that listening ear. My my husband's worked a couple of fatalities um, one just a few years ago and he come in. I knew he'd worked it. Um, it was a, a child, a baby, toddler that was the same age as our son that was involved. And um, I didn't say a word to him when he came in and I was like, hey. How's it going? You know, I've got dinner cooked and we just went on about our afternoon. And that night he said, okay, I'm ready to talk about it. And I don't say, tell me, I need to know. I didn't know all the details, you know, don't, don't brush them when they come in. Don't, mm-hmm. it, when I come in the door, I tell my kids, give me five minutes to get in the house, get, get my shoes off and then you can rush me, but let me take a deep breath. And I have a, I have a rug at the front door that says, breathe You're 1042, which means you're home. Um, just mm-hmm. as a reminder, you're home. Take a deep breath. And um, my best advice is never, ever let them start a shift without kissing them and never, mm-hmm. ever let them end a shift without kissing them and telling them that you love them. Because I remember as a little kid, I asked my dad one day, I said, Dad, 
are you ever afraid that you're going to get killed? I, I, as a child, and he said, the day I stop worrying is the day I die. Because if you don't stop worrying, that's when you get too comfortable in your job and too complacent and something happens. So always, always tell him I love you. And I always tell my husband, come home to me. And in his ring, he's got one of those Quelo bands that says, come home to me inside his Quelo. So that's our little our little thing that we say to each other. Oh, that's just <laughs> teary-eyed. Um, that's beautiful. But so don't don't push them. Don't force no. them to talk, let them be ready. But how, how do we balance like the not pushing them, waiting for them to be ready, but then also like seeing that they, they just, they want, they want to protect us from, from what, what they have going on and from that burden. And how do we, how do we help guide them to the help? that is available. Cause I, like, I, I fully understand. I mean, I'm a chaplain's wife. So like, I fully understand that there are things that I, I'm not going to be able to bear. And I hope all of the other spouses there understand that, that there's a difference between being there for your spouse and just kind of accepting that there are some things that they're just not going to be able to talk to you about. And it really is better. Like there is, um, Oh, what's I'm drawing a blank of that second like secondhand trauma like that is a very mm -hmm. yeah. real thing it's very real yeah mm -hmm. it's very real and so they are trying and 99% likely I'm pretty sure everybody gets that training like in the job you know what I mean like don't you don't have to do secondhand trauma at least the chaplains do but like how do we help them how do we understand that, that we're not going to be able to bear those burdens for them, but then help guide them to the people who can help them process those burdens and can help. Most departments. Oops, sorry. <laughs> oh, no, no, you're good. Most, cha like you said, you're a chaplain. Um, most departments have chaplains, so the guys know where they can go. Most of the time, my, I know my husband, the chaplain will get in their cars. He does not care. He will jump in a car and. I'm like, he'll say, hey, chap rode with me today. That's awesome, you know. And, um, But I know, like, it's like a teenage kid when they come home from school and they slam the door and they go in their room and then you're like, hey, talk to me. No, I'm not talking to you. You know, it's just, it's kind of the same process if you think about it. It really is. Um, <laughs> when they're ready, they come out of their room and they talk to you. I mean, most of the time, men are the same way. They're just grown kids. Um, so <laughs> it's, it's, just the same concept you just when they're ready to come let them come don't don't overanalyze anything um i have a lot of wives who are like well, they ignored me all night no okay they it's not you don't over process it mm -hmm. it's just like we went to that class that leadership class last week and the guy said what is feedback and everybody's like oh it's this it's this it's this and he said no you're all wrong it's just feedback don't 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 think so deep about it feedback is feedback like, so it's just that like if they if they come home just just let them just let just like just let them just let them come home because yeah. they're done with that shift just let them just let them be done they don't want to talk about it but in a month in a week in a couple of days they may come back and say hey i'm ready to talk about it then let them mm -hmm. talk about it and it's purely just that it's just it's just feedback. It's just them telling you what they went through and what, how they processed it. Um, 
it's just like, I, I have no, I know so many people that have used this analogy, but if you see a car accident and I see a car accident and we write our witness statements, they're both could be two totally different witness statements because we both saw something different because they're two different people yeah. and we both processed it in two different ways. It, it's the same. You may experience a trauma that I may have experienced the same trauma. We may be sisters and experience the same trauma, but you're going to take it a totally different way than I'm going to take it. Um, yeah. I'm really resilient because I was raised by a, a tough mom. <laughs> my mom was super tough. Um, and she's given me, I mean, that's, that's where I get my, that's where I get my, um, my go, <laughs> my mom's a goer. She, uh, she goes to in Little Rock and feeds the homeless all the time on Friday nights. I'm like, mom, like, seriously, you got to stop. Um, uh, stresses me out. But like I said, we're going to process things totally different. So mm -hmm. just because he doesn't process it the way you think he should, or he's not processing it the way you should, or you think he should, doesn't mean it's wrong. Yeah. So don't take somebody else's process different. Let them process it the way they need to. Yeah. That's a really good point because especially since like, I know so many wives come from such a good place. So it's like, I just want you to be okay. I feel like something's off. And it's like, we want to either just fix it or protect them or absolutely, you know, like that's the mama well, bear. In it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The mama bear. And it's just like, well, I see yeah. that this is going on. So let's move on from whatever phase you're in to this phase of getting it all fixed. But we, yeah, that's a really good reminder that we just have to be patient with them. And like, it's, as we would it's want them not, to be with us. Yeah. I mean, it's the oh. same. When I came home from my, from my, uh, from Louisiana, I didn't want to talk about it. And Michael knew I didn't want to talk about it. He was completely okay with it. And he said, mm -hmm. when you're ready, we'll sit down and we'll talk about it or we'll go for a drive, whatever, you know, we'll do something. And so when I was ready to talk about it, we talked about it, but I wasn't ready until I was ready. He didn't, he wasn't hounding me. Hey, are you ready? Are you ready now? What about now? <laughs> mm -hmm. Now? So it's just, just let them be. Um, there is, there is a time and you can tell if it's been two months and they're still being very short with you, then it's, Hey, you know, is there something I can help you with? Not necessarily. Well, I know you, you dealt with this and you need to tell me about it. Just, is there anything I can help you with? Just in general, just be general. Yeah. yeah same intention, same love behind it, but just a different way of asking that is absolutely less approaches. Yes. Your approach is totally what's going to make or break that conversation. Yeah. Is there anything that you feel like that we can do as spouses to help our, our significant others from getting to break, breaking points and like dangerous points, or is it just, they're going to experience what they're going to experience and deal with it the way they're going to deal with it? Do, does that make sense? Yeah. Um, kind of, um, <laughs> it's a tough one. Um, you just got to let them process it. I, it's just all in, it's just all in the process. It, it's just all in the processing, like how they do it. Mm -hmm. Um, like as kids, like I said, I keep going back to that teenager. If that teenager goes to school and has a really bad day, they come home and they slam the door. Well, as we get older, we don't come home and slam the doors anymore. That's just maturity and, and shows when I, when I was a rookie, there was, I acted totally different to a call 
than I did when I was in, in, in it for a couple of years. You know, you just start getting that, you start getting that maturity in your job. But, um, and, and we do as spouses, we start getting that maturity about us too with the job. And it's not just a, it's not just a job for them. It's a lifestyle for the whole family. I remember growing up and mom, my mom would always have to say, we have to, we have to live at a higher standard than we'd hold everybody else. I said, why do we have to do that? Cause your dad, you know, your, your, your bonus dad is a, is a preacher and your dad's a police officer and you have to hold yourself at a higher standard. And I said, well, I didn't pick those jobs. <laughs> they picked them. Why do I have to be like that? <laughs> so and that's and that I, that's totally off of what you asked me, but um, you just have to just let them process it. Just I can't say that enough. Just let them breathe. Um, sometimes the breathing takes a little bit longer because again they may process it totally different. Um, yeah. When people pass away, it cracks me up all the time. People pass away and they're saying, "Well, so and so didn't grieve at all." I'm like, "Okay, did you see them at home? Like, <laughs> did yeah. you?" Do you know maybe what they were processing, if they were processing it differently, if they were, you know, you don't know. You don't know what they're doing. So just you're not in their head. They're in their head. But if they need help, most departments have chaplains. I don't I don't know that or at least have someone that can be accessed for them. Most of the police, um, we don't have any kind of like police union union here. Sorry, I can't talk. And we don't have a union in Cersei, so we don't have the call, but we have like um, the police benevolence. You can call them and they can get you someone, a counselor or something like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's available for everybody. So, um, but most everybody, everybody should have somebody. Yeah, absolutely. If they don't, they can call me or look me up on Facebook. I'll talk to (laughs) them. I don't mind talking to people at all. Yeah. And we have, I mean, we have our people, we have, um, like our best friends, he's a sheriff and she is a, um, she's homeschools their kids. And one day they had a, a a gunman come into the sheriff's department looking for him. And I mean, they're our mentors. We love them. And, um, she's amazing. She's writing a book right now called, um, the lawman's wife. I think it's what it's called. I don't want to lie to you, but, um, (laughs) amazing woman. Amazing. And I think every couple should have their mentors too. Like we have them, they're our best friends and our mentors. And we, I go to them all the time and talk to him about stuff or his wife. I talked to his wife and, and the moment I heard that was happening, I started texting her. Are you okay? Are you breathing? So if you know that the husband's been through something, text the wife and start saying, are you okay? Because that wife, the, the, the wife or significant other, however it may be, they, they need your support too, because they're going to have to deal with, their officer when they get home so immediately being a support to the wife as well to the other wife i mean we had a wife who um her husband got hit by a truck the other day directing traffic and he just got back from a deployment oddly enough and um he got hit and i immediately went to texting her are you okay what do you need me to do do you need me go they have six six or seven kids um, hey, do you need me to go get a kid? Like, yeah. what do you need me to do? You know, like be the support for the wife too, like because they're good. That wife's gonna have to deal with that husband or that yeah. spouse. I think we know what you mean. Um, <laughs> and if you're don't know what she means, that's what she means. She means everybody, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I always I got like, mad because they're like men cops. I'm like, I'm a woman cop. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's I'm here too. 
Yeah. There <laughs> Can't are. find anything girly. Yeah, there are. Well, I could I could ask like so many questions and this could interview could go on forever. So maybe we'll do a part two sometime. But <laughs> for sake of length of the podcast, first of all, thank you so much for sharing your story. I know that is so difficult to do. Loss is loss is so hard. He, I didn't uh, lose. He didn't lose. He won. He ultimately yeah. won. He's not having to fight those demons daily. And I'm okay with that. Um, yeah. Like I said, I prayed for my sister for God just to take her because she was living her hell on earth. And he, um, he was living his hell on earth too. And um, so he won. <laughs> and I said, ultimately I got, he got the last laugh because I'm a huge Arkansas Razorback fan and he's a huge LSU fan. And I have an LSU pillow currently on my bed. <laughs> <laughs> so ha ha ha, he got the last laugh. So um, I don't want to say lost. It wasn't a loss. Um, yeah. I, I miss him. I do. He's such a yeah. crazy guy, but it wasn't a loss. Um, it was a gain for, for a lot of people, but well, for, for heaven, for sure. Cause I'm sure he's entertaining up there, but <laughs> definitely, I definitely wouldn't say it's a loss, but also we're, me and my husband are in um, seminary school working towards our doctorate. So it kind of helps <laughs> having that training too. So, yeah. Yeah. It gives you some perspective for sure. I just want to thank you for sharing our, your story and being open and feel like you shared a lot of wisdom with us and insight that not a lot of us have. Like we just, we know that our communities are suffering from this and dealing with this, but we don't really know what to do. And I feel like you, you've given us some things and some tools and some power back in our belts. Um, the last question I want to ask though, is, uh, you know, is maybe a little bit different than the addiction and the suicide talk, but what is your key to thriving as a waiting warrior? Hmm, my kids, <laughs> they, uh, for real, they, uh, they're my, they're my drive. Um, my husband's my drive. He's my soulmate. He's my everything. Um, we suffered a loss, a significant loss together. And that brought us together actually. Um, we we suffered a huge loss together and ended up just supporting each other, just being there for each other. And then we ended up getting married through that loss um, that we had to support each other through. And um, so our, our relationship is a totally different level than most just that most people experience because we had to suffer a loss to, to come back around. Um, mm-hmm. And so he drives me. He drives me and the kids drive me. Um, after the loss, I adopted the two children from his previous marriage. And um, it's they, it's crazy because I have one child and I found out that I was going to I was not going to be able to have children any longer. And um, I was so mad at God for the longest time. And then um, 12 years later, God blesses me with two other kids. Um, and I was like, well, that's probably why you. Uh, did that (laughs) now I see why because I have six kids and had I had been able to have more kids I probably would have had more kids before we came around to meet each other but anyways um, my family absolutely 100% drives me they are amazing I can't say enough about my family they are just constantly we're always doing something volunteering going somewhere 
doing something. Um, I have a daughter with autism and uh, we have monthly meetings. I started a nonprofit for her to have life skills classes and the kids here. So my kids drive me so hard. Um, and my husband, he's just a blessing. Oh, that's so touching. Honestly, like I, you're such an incredible person. I've only, <laughs> no, you're such a small part of the story, but it's, it's touching to hear that kind of a love and how that can drive a person. And, um, especially with how much hard that you guys deal with, you know, you're not going to the elementary school and volunteering there, you know, where, where it's light and it's helpful, but it's lighter. Like you, you guys are right. doing some incredibly difficult and heavy, but such a valuable work. Um, and it's just, it's beautiful to see your guys' family and how you, how you work. I get to ride with him sometimes and um, he can't suggest any rehabs. Like he can tell when people are wanting rehab and they'll say, you know, Hey man, I want rehab, whatever. And um, he's, he can't on duty recommend anything because um, of policies and stuff. And I'm like, but I can <laughs> I'm like, no, let's talk about rehab. <laughs> so we have a great Let time. Let me tell you Let about tell you. this. He can't talk to you, <laughs> but I can. <laughs> So call me That's when you awesome. get out. I tell him, I'm like, it's so funny. You're taking them to jail and I'm helping them to rehab. Then <laughs> <laughs> we both teach classes at the rehab. Then he shows up and they're like, oh my gosh. So the, the pastor, the lead pastor of the church that we work at and the main one, my husband was actually his arresting officer. So it's so funny because he's no. like, it's so, we, <laughs> he's like, it's so good to see my arresting officer here today. You know, so it's just, <laughs> we make a good joke out of it. And um, it, it is, it's, it's pretty funny, but it's 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 hilarious <laughs> that is so good that yeah. is just that is so funny that's <laughs> <laughs> we have a good laugh at it i mean 90 percent of the people that he's arrested are in there so <laughs> yeah. they all know him and they they see him and he comes up and hugs them and it's yeah. just like i'm a real person too i and I had, um, I had a friend who was going through some stuff and I had to go to court and I had to take one of my guys to court um, from the rehab and he was shaking. I said, why are you so nervous? And he's like, I just, I'm fixing to have to go before the judge. I said, guess what? He said, what? I said, he put his pants on the same way you did this morning. Yeah. Isn't that cool? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, you know what? I'm, I'm totally chill now. Thanks. I totally need to hear that. <laughs> yeah. So. We enjoy it's it. It's a blast. You guys are incredible. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Absolutely. Thank warriors you guys. out there, just be patient with your loved ones. Just be patient. If they're having a hard time, be patient with them. Don't push them, but be mindful of the resources that are available. Um, if you don't know what resources are available, then reach out to whoever your higher up is until you get an answer and just keep on reaching <laughs> until you get that. But thank you, Julia. Um, Absolutely. Any warriors out there, everybody have a good week and keep on keeping on. Bye. If you are loving the content here and want some more Waiting Warrior action, check us out at Instagram or Facebook 
The handle is The Waiting Warrior, no S, or check out the website, thewaitingwarriors.com. Make sure you get on our mail list. We have some really awesome things coming up. Have a great day.